Welcome. Welcome to Mystical Musings, April 21st, 2013. In the library of the Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in Denver. With Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of, us, those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, non-sectarian, non-denominational, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us, for creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics, we believe and know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit. Mystical Musings, April 2013, the mystical use of personal will in the new era. This is the focus of our musing today, as well as the core of the many beautiful teachings received by the mystical musers who traveled to John God in Brazil, uh, into Brazil in March of this year. Finding new ways to use personal will to support others and self. Myron will speak for the John God group, some of whom are here today. Thank you. Emphasizing new era empowerment of sacred volition. We will look at the differences between mystical willing and secular willfulness. Personal will in the context of surrender to the divine will and embodying will in daily life. Oh, the news, so awful at times. The news, simultaneously compelling and repelling. The extreme pushes and pulls becoming more frequent in our very wired world. What's a good mystic to do? Limit our exposure, of course, especially stopping once the video news starts to loop 
opening our hearts to horror, but only so much so we don't splatter, to the point, though, of stretching, of stretching our own vulnerability as a spiritual practice for the people in Boston and everywhere. We stretch toward Boston and our hearts ache, a necessary ache, blessing the ones who died, blessing their families. Blessing the city, blessing all of us. Breathing in the suffering. Breathing out the healing. We can, to some extent, will how we spend our time, directing our attention as a spotlight, as well as willing a refinement of the quality of that attention. Ah, distraction. The popular culture provides no end of distraction. And even in the 30s, T.S. Eliot said that, uh, of America that we were a culture distracted from distraction by distraction. But there sure is some entertainment and fun. Contemporary mystics are often in the culture, but not of it. And so we direct our will more toward spirit, toward heart, toward union, toward soul, at least some of the time. Whether this practice be embodied movement, sacred music, sacred art, contemplation, being in nature, we mystics direct and will our attention towards spiritual matters, especially those related to essential being and loving, learning, and healing. Sometimes our mystic path flows and unfolds easily, sometimes not. Have you noticed that? <laughs> what happens to each of us when we're not flowing? when we meet the inevitable obstacles, is most worthy of our attention and learning and builds resilience. Body movements are fundamental to this learning of ease in life, both as infants <laughs> but also as adults willing to go beyond habit. From consciously meeting obstacles, we can learn greater comfort, ease, flow, presence. Let yourself turn from side to side. Start slow, start small, be comfortable, and just notice within a range that is very easy and that there's no strain in repeating, letting yourself turn a bit from side to side. And your initial range, if it's any more than three or four degrees, you're already going big. <laughs> Let it be really small at the beginning. A little bit to one side, a little bit to the other side. And you're just turning one of the most essential functions of our embodiment is just turning. We turn so much. Without it, it is a serious challenge. Notice in your turning, if you're meeting obstacles, does your neck hurt? Are you reaching a limit? Go less, go smaller. Make it be easy, a flowing action from side to side. And notice as you do this, 
where you're starting the motion from. If you encounter any limitations in this, if it hurts, do less, not more. I know I might look like him, but this is not Richard Simmons. <laughs> so you're just very gently exploring from within the turning. If you tire, then rest and pause. And when you're ready, resume. But as you're exploring, you're turning gently and easily. Let the turn start from your pelvis. So if your legs are still crossed, you may want to uncross them. It'll be a little easier to do that. And any suggestion I give, you don't have to do. <laughs> so if it hurts, certainly do less. But as you're turning, look for the glide. Look for the quality of the action in the motion. Notice where there are obstacles. Now, for those of you not moving, you can think the movement. And that will fire the neurons and the muscle fibers connected with the pattern of action. So even those of you who are moving who wish to pause, you can think the movement. If there are obstacles, notice your response to them. The crick in the neck. The tightness in the shoulder blades. If there's holding in the belly. Keep softening, especially your face. So that as you meet any of the limitations, you're meeting them as easily and softly and as gently as you can possibly do. If you need to pause and rest, please feel free. You're looking for elegance in the action, starting from your center of gravity in the pelvis. So even in the sitting, one knee goes slightly backwards and then the other knee. So there's a little bit of integrating your pelvis, your center of gravity for the turn. Our cultural bias is we move from our heads most of the time. We need to learn to do what makes the martial artist so outrageously powerful at moments, and that is turn from the center. Feel free to rest and take care of yourself, but inwardly you may even still be thinking turning. And notice the glide the quality of smoothness and ease moving through the skeletal structure while you're letting go in your face, softening jaw, releasing fingers, any tension in your hands, soften anywhere that's extraneous, anything that's extra, superfluous. Inhibit that tendency to have any extra tension in the pattern of exploration. Now come back to the center and pause for, pause for a moment. And just notice the effect. Movement leaves imprint. We don't tend to live that way. But movement, the way we use ourselves, day in and day out, and even in the immediate moment, leaves an imprint. So you just want to notice even this relatively little bit of turning. Just notice in your body what you're sensing in yourself right now, especially as pertains to the change from when you came in. Noticing breathing. Now this time, let's meet up with an obstacle that's a little more overt than just the aches and pains of being older than 40. This time, let your eyes stay straight ahead. Let yourself turn your head 
and your rest of your body initiated in the pelvis around your eyes. So you're just keeping your eyes focused at some point straight ahead and you're just turning. Now don't strain because you're going to be tempted to want to do the range that you did initially. It's not going to be available for most of us. So go easy, gentle, comfortable. If there's any negative response, do less. And as you're moving, noticing your breathing, especially when you meet this obstacle where you've imposed the obstacle of constraining your eyes gently. And as you meet the constraint, one of those inevitable obstacles in fulfilling our intentions that we set last musing in the spring equinox, as you start to meet your intention and manifest into the world, we will meet obstacles. What do we do? So now are you trying harder or can you try less comfortably? Do you give up and just stop because it seems impossible? Can you do even a small approximation? If you get dizzy, don't do it. You can think it. Just think it. Yeah, good. And let that pause. Again, maybe closing your eyes to go inside to figure, to ascertain the kinesthesia the sense of the body from the inside. What do you notice? Noticing how movement can help us get more here, now. Circumventing emotion to some degree. Circumventing the inevitable mind chitch of that very busy monkey mind. Movement gets you right to the point. You're either moving smoothly and easily and comfortably or you're not. It's very simple. Noticing the effect, especially upon your breathing. If you're closing down the breath, then just let yourself breathe a little more fully. All right, let's meet another obstacle. There seem to be these things in life, you know. There are lots of obstacles. How do we meet them? Let's up-level the challenge slightly. This time, let your head and your eyes stay in the center. So this time you're constraining your head and your eyes. But your body is turning your hips and your shoulders around your stationary head and eyes. Notice if you bring the motto of Avis, which I think is imprinted on the $1 bill, we try harder. (laughs) Just notice if that is the strategy at the moment. As you meet the limitation the obstacle, the constraint. Can you do so gently, easily? More a sense of velvet than sackcloth. Nice. A lot of fast learners here. And for some of you, you can do it in your mind only. Good. Noticing your breathing. Does up-leveling the challenge shut off the breath? Keep breathing a little more fully. Rest whenever you need to. Good. Pausing. Letting go. Sense the imprint. Just notice what you become aware of. Okay. One more obstacle. (laughs) You're doing so well. I'm encouraged by the presence and the focus. So this time, 
since we've got basically the section of the pelvis, the section of the shoulders, the section of the head. This time, turn your pelvis to the right, if you can easily. So you're, you're turning the hips to the right. Let the shoulders go to the left. Good. So you've got your hips to the right and the shoulders to the left. Now, let yourself move in opposition. Hips to the opposite side, shoulders to the opposite side. And just notice, as you're doing this, that you don't have the hips and the shoulders forward at the same time. So if you get confused, just start over and position the hips in one direction, shoulders in the opposite direction. And then, if you can, simultaneously, let yourself move, preferably from the pelvis first, this oppositional movement, which is substituting for some sort of obstacle that we might face in our lives. How do we meet it? Do you try and push and force? Do you give up? Can you be present gently? Smaller, gentler, slower. And some of you may recognize that what you're doing is not just an oppositional movement, it's walking. You're walking sitting down. Very, <clears throat> very important movement to remember as we age. Because if we lose walkability, we lose some fundamental mobility. So since we're such a sedentary culture, just remember this pattern so that you can easily allow yourself to explore the action of walking, even sometimes just sitting. But more fundamentally, meeting the obstacles gently, softly, comfortably. And one more time, closing your eyes. Just sensing, sensing the imprint, noticing what remains. so wonderful to be with you in the flesh yes. in the flesh because you came with us to Brazil believe me you came with us to Brazil with uh, several of us from the community who went we were like the holographic fragment of this <laughs> of this community so we could take you all with us and we could see the community here and while we were there we had such a powerful experience of community that we can't break apart from one another. If someone's meditating on one side of the town, likely someone's meditating on the other side of the town. So it's a very beautiful experience. And we learned many wonderful things that are useful to us as mystics in the new era, which I will be speaking about later. But Welcome to old friends we haven't seen for a while. And 
people we haven't even met and the old timers. It's wonderful to have you here.
sitting now in our own personal radiance. Sitting in our oneness with all that is. Sitting in our own individual magnificence. Sitting now in the blue flame of God's will and protection. Sitting now in the rose pink flame of unconditional love. sitting now in the emerald green flame of health and wealth. Sitting now in the gold purple flame of resurrection. Sitting now in the crystal pure white flame of ascension. Sitting now in the violet flame of transformation and sending the violet flame over all the earth. Sitting now in the yellow flame of wisdom, Sitting now in our own radiance.
For some of you who know, this is old news, but for some of you who are new today, Myron's creations are what, they're coming out of this moment. They're coming out of all of us. They're spontaneous, spontaneous creations that took 65 years to create. And um, they always carry me away uh, into the heart of more depth of love. Thank you. I have an amuse for you. You know, at some restaurants, they have this little tasty morsel that uh, is the beginning of the meal. It's called an amuse-bouche, um, uh, an amusement for your mouth. And so I have something for you to chew on. It's a neat little tidbit. Noted in a recent Sunday business section of the New York Times that mindfulness training is now being offered in some businesses around the country. Not because of corporate generosity, but rather mindfulness improves the bottom line. Surprise, right? Surprise. <laughs> I am inspired to see where business and spirit meet. What follows is a new occasional musing section that I would like to introduce today that I call a little gem. That special little item in the unfolding global culture that sparkles reflecting an unexpected delight. And now to the little gem. It's, called, it's a little book called The Go-Giver by one Berg and Mann. It's about focusing on giving more than on getting in a business context and hence the name, The Go-Giver. Success is based more on what we give than on what we receive. Contained in the go-giver are the five laws of stratospheric success. Any one of them I'm happy to know, but I have one here for you today. The first of which is, my true worth is determined by how much more I give in value than what I take in payment. The first law of stratospheric success. My true worth is determined by how much more I give in value than what I take in payment. How much more I give of myself than I insist upon in return. How much more I give myself the deepening moments of mystic union in the face of a volatile world. How much more I give of my heart when it would be so easy to close it down. How much more I give myself the opportunity to will a facing of my own fears rather than just defending against them. The first law of stratospheric success, my true worth is determined by how much more I give in value than I take in payment amid yet again the melding of business and spirit.
a little gem. As we orient in time and space, I would just like to say that May 1st is a rather biggie for uh, a lot of the gay folk in this state. We have then civil unions, a first step on the way to marriage equality, but an important first step and one that will be happening as of the 1st of May in our state. Yeah, yeah, hooray, hooray. Also, a little more earthbound, is the Celtic tradition that we are coming upon now of Beltane that will happen this year on the 5th of May. Beltane and its opposite in November mark the time when the veil between the other world and ours is the thinnest. The other time, of course, is Halloween. The world's veils here are the thinnest. Instead of just our ancestors passing over to our world or from it, we can travel to their world. Beltane is, interestingly enough, Myron was just right on. I was struck by the flames today. I was really sitting in all those flames, and I got a sense of most of you as well. And that's part of Beltane. That is just in the earth religions, the fire, the purifying fire, part of Beltane now. Purifying fire, fertility, and prosperity, markers of this time. Beltane is a time for fun and games, a chance for people to get together and enjoy each other's company. Beltane is a time for sexuality and passion. Younger adults might spend the entire Beltane night out with their mate and then dance around the phallic maypole the following morning. We brought our own little maypole here for you guys. <laughs> Gotta have a maypole. <laughs> May morning is a magical time for collecting wild dew from the flowing streams and the springs uh, or the morning dew and bathing in it to bring beauty and to drink for health and to promote an abundant harvest as it would encourage fertility and growth of the earth. And lastly, Beltane is a time for devoting energy to growth and integration. Last musing, we started to work with our intention, whatever the intention is now for this time, for each of us. Even if you don't have one, just pretend like you can just go in and pluck one out right now and just begin to seed the intention hold the intention, nurture the intention, using the will to bring yourself present to this heartfelt intention. Namaste. I thought I would begin my comments on personal will in the new era by talking about my personal will. So my will is that everyone on the planet be blessed, that everyone on the planet be prospered, that everyone be loved, that everyone awaken to joy.
that everyone be free. That's my will, and I know it's my will. It's more efficacious, I think, in the new era for me because there is such a profound sense of connection, such a profound sense of oneness. I've told you before that on the solstice, when we sat and tuned in to the community here, instead of just having the community, there were like a billion people who were tuning in. So three times a day, I express my will. Three times a day, I send a light body to every person on the planet. A light body of love and support and nurturance. And I send it to every animal on the planet, every fish, every insect. I send it to all the plants and to all the minerals, to the Davic kingdom, to the angelic kingdom, to Mother Earth herself, to Father Sky, the stars, the planets, the sun. I send a light body, a presence, to all of those sentient beings. When we were in Brazil, there is a magnificent teacher there whose name is Grania, who is Irish and has a beautiful Irish brogue. And she directs us in our group meditation. And in the group meditation, we are not to pray for ourselves or what we want, but to pray for the people, other people who are there for healing. And in our group, we prayed for one another pretty much constantly. I had suggested to the group that they write a letter to God with every desire they have of any kind for healing, for wealth, for business, for marriage, for social reasons, for whatever anyone wanted. And then we place those prayers in a large prayer triangle. There are three on the campus there. Place them in, then lean into the prayer triangle and say our prayers there. Each triangle is an amazing vortex of sacred energy. But we leave our desires there, and that's the last we think of our desires. Those are read by the spirit guides, and they really are. There's evidence of that, clear evidence of that. And so our wishes are there, and we can forget about that and surrender then to whatever is coming up in that moment for us. And it is about other people. It is a prayer about others. So this beautiful Irish minister, I will call her, who is a professional clown in her day job and an amazing, amazing sacred uh, being when she is 
directing us in meditation. And it is so touching because you are sitting in a group while there is a line of people going through and our job is to hold the energy for them and pray for their healing and hold the energy for the medium also. And it gets extremely uncomfortable physically because you can sit, typically you sit for four hours and often for five, on kind of church pew things, right? So I couldn't take enough padding. (laughs) Though I bought the most expensive pad I could find and the heaviest, I realized later, and something for my back. But it is uncomfortable. And so Garanya, our wonderful Irish fairy, will say the Lord's Prayer and say the hymn to Mary. And then she will quote the last two lines of the prayer of St. Francis. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And that it is in dying to self that we are born into eternal life. She emphasizes, in case we needed to know, that what we are giving in that moment will be richly rewarded in some way. I say a prayer each time I take an herb from the casa. We all came back with herbs uh, that we take three times a day. And the herbs are especially programmed for the things you've had surgery for. And I'm beginning to suspect that the reason we have to do it three times a day is that it makes us pray three times a day, right? It gets us to that place where we thank all of the spirit guides when we call entities for everything that they are doing for us. And then we pray for blessings. Now, since this new era in my personal will, the personal prayers have changed. So each time I pray, I do the kind of prayer I just said. I send myself all over the world. Now, on the holographic theory, I am the world, right? Each of us is, right? So the world is here. It is in me. And I know that I have that power simply because I know that I have the power. I simply because I'm a member of this collective. And the collective is in me. And so it feels absolutely efficacious for me to send out all of these beings of me, these light beings of me, to bless the world. And bottom line, that's what I want. If I, so, you know, saying your prayers like that three times a day, praying for other people, really opens your heart and it creates a sacred moment. If I'm praying for myself, and of course I do from time to time, but if I get into my own will, I get really confused because I go up here where I'm thinking about what do I need or what do I want, and suddenly I'm busy in my mind, and suddenly magical thinking comes up, and uh, self-doubt comes up. It's not a comfortable thing. So I I forswear that. There in my letter to God, 
I don't have to keep talking about it. And I am one of the people on the planet, so that is being blessed. And we can do this by a simple act of will. Simple. It doesn't require anything. It is simple. I have to read you something, an email I got from Nellie, our Nellie Denton, because it just said it all for me. I have been reading about the word kindness. This is simple religion. There is no need for temples or complicated philosophy, just a good open heart. I thought, now this I can do. Perhaps this is the way my life is to go. Just keep it simple and be kind to the world no matter what. I can do this. I sometimes feel I haven't done much in life, but I find I can do this because there aren't any complications attached. So beautifully stated, Nellie, honestly, so beautifully stated. And that's the bottom line, total truth. That's all we need to know. All we need to know, be kind and loving. One of the interventions that is very common there, in fact, almost everyone gets it, is invisible surgery. All of us here, and there are four others besides me here, who were there. And I got the surgery before anyone else. And I had a rather remarkable experience, different from the other two times that I've been there. As I sat down, my father appeared, as he always does. He was a healer and is a healer. Victoria appeared as they worked on my eyes, and she's an eye surgeon. And Jesus was there. And then... I not watch as Sandra and Eleanor and Anne and Catherine and Mark and all these other people surrounded me. And after surgery, you are instructed to go lie down for 24 hours and sleep if you can. Most of us had no problem sleeping for 24 hours. You have to take a taxi back to your hotel because you're really, you're really exhausted. From just sitting for a few minutes, 20 minutes, I think mine was. But the, the operations are happening. So this time, it was different from the other two times I've been there. Because I felt so held by this group of 13. There were 13 of us. Seven of us mystical musers. We were held. We held each other. And it was remarkable how quickly all of us recovered. I'd never seen that before with any group, this time or in previous times. It was a group that was called together. I chose the people that I wanted to go with me, thinking, I don't want to go by myself again, and I want to take some support. So... And I wanted to have these particular friends really experience this extraordinarily high-vibrating, mystical, beautiful place and mystical, beautiful experience. And so I had friends from Kentucky and friends from California and most of us from Colorado. 
when everyone met, everyone just immediately loved one another. It was extraordinary. So we all were recovering. And so Mark had two surgeries and Sandra had two surgeries. They just like, I've got this support. I'm here. I'm going to do it. That would have been unheard of before. And just gave the power of a loving community. We took everything seriously. We meditated together every day. And it seems we still are doing that. And it's such a powerful meditation. And some people said, I've never been able to meditate. I can't do it. And now they're like, can't get enough of it. So the power of the group just was so, um, was so enhanced by the fact that we all participated in everything. And there were no factions. And there were nothing this. If you were sitting at Fruity's having a smoothie, then anyone in your group was welcome. We all related in this way. Is my idea of the new era group and how we could get along. So that was extremely profound aspect of it. One of the other, um, excuse me a second. Give me a dry mouth. One of the other interventions that um, are given there is a sacred waterfall. And it's in the jungle. And it is a magnificently beautiful waterfall. Magnificently beautiful space with butterflies like you've never seen around beautiful color butterflies. And the men would go, the men in the group would go at one time and the women would go at another time. In my other two trips there, in the old era, I thought it was a brilliant way of cooling off in the jungle and a, and a nice way to pray. This time, however, in the new era, when I stepped into the waterfall, I found myself saying, take it all away. Take it all away. Take it all away. I said that seven times. And it was such an extraordinary mystical moment for me. I have been doing this process for a few months of getting up in the morning and forgiving myself, forgiving Lawrence, forgiving everyone I love and forgiving everyone in the world for everything and starting my day with a clean slate. So what I believed yesterday, I may not believe today. What meant something to me yesterday might not mean anything to me today. Things that didn't mean much to me then will take on appearance, a very important appearance in my life. So now in my morning showers, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back at the waterfall. <laughs> I'm just putting myself back in the waterfall and letting it all be washed away. Another, parenthetically, another amazing experience for me was there were five of us men. And after the waterfall, 
When we gave one another hugs, it was the most beautiful male bonding I've ever seen. There was not an electron of ego. It was absolutely brought me to tears. Another of the interventions they give is um, called the crystal bed. And you lie on a, on a bed, a thin bed, and then crystals of different colors are placed over your chakras and the lights are turned on and you lie there for several moments. And in my last two times there, it was just a good place to take a nap. I didn't feel anything. And this time, the moment I lay down, and I did it spontaneously. Gabe, um, who is one of our leaders, one of the guy, the guy I called to organize the trip, and a godson of mine, um, and I were sitting in the garden meditating, and then we felt called to go to a crystal bed. So we got rooms right next to one another. This time, when I lay down, I lay down in an absolute cloud of grace. It was so extraordinary. It felt like every electron of this body and all my other bodies were being blessed. And Gabe was in the next room, snoring away. <laughs> we actually had a little snoring contest, but he won. <laughs> but it was again that, that, then that, then my thoughts totally went again to the group and to Gabe and blessing him. And that increased the beauty of it. So, the experience there comes down pretty much to what Nellie wrote about, people being kind to people. You see so many people who are seriously afflicted. And we were there on Holy Week, which is a national holiday in Brazil. So you get off work Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and through the weekend. So busloads of people, Brazilians, arrive there on Good Friday. You couldn't get them all in the hall, had to put people out in the gardens. And out in the gardens, you still felt that you were, all you were doing was praying for them. But seeing these people, some of them very poor, some of them very disabled, it touched your heart so much. And when the question came up, what can I do here? It's very simple. Just pray for them. Be a loving presence with them. Remember what you know to be true and what is the essence of the will which is that in giving, we receive. In pardoning, we are pardoned. And in dying to self, we are born into eternal life. Thank you for coming with us. We felt your presence and we felt your prayers. I hope you felt our presence and our prayers too. Yes. Namaste.
in the category of the end of time as we know it is the following um, <laughs> well it's in the great pursuit of happiness except in this context we'll call it the great pursuit of happiness it has come to this remember the eight ball the magic eight ball first you need to love yourself well now we've got apps Um, that offer a virtual approximation of therapists. In the pursuit of happiness, we go to smartphone apps with names like Break Up, I Stress, My Instant Coach, <laughs> which offer virtual opportunities to be less anxious and happier in our lives. There is, of course, an app called Mood Kit, apparently requiring a tutor just to learn how to use it, thus evoking my first mood. <laughs> there is included 150 mood-lifting activities, like identify three things you appreciate today and create something. What is your Equinox intention? What is your next step for actualizing that intention? And for that inevitable occasion of stuckness, there is an app that leads you through a series of exercises to help get you out of whatever rut you're in. How am I feeling now? It asks, overwhelmed, uninspired, unmotivated. What am I doing while I'm stuck? What thoughts am I having in this stuck moment? In my pursuit of happiness, I am told I need to believe in a new way to commit. Chopping up my processes into little tasks. Do one thing for today. Consider the extreme of what would happen if you don't do it. Oh, Sounds like some of the people I know. Yeah. What's the worst? What's the worst, you know? What could, what's the worst that could happen? Also, am I getting to the root of my stuckness? Ask the right questions and answers become possible even for a smartphone shrink. No apologies for laughter. I, I, I think there's some intention around that at the moment. Perhaps I need something simple to improve my mood. And so there is, of course, an app called Simply Being. With a woman's voice that is calm, trending to coma, we might relax more deeply. Remembering this is that time to do nothing but simply be, letting go of everything else that you're doing, just being aware of what is going on right here, right now.
I don't think I'll get up to the 20-minute version of that, but five minutes might be all we need. And thus, with our new virtual therapist, we remember what the eight ball used to say, signs point to yes for us living happily ever after. <laughs> Respecting the divinity within you, namaste.